Hi, everybody. This is Jason Stakowski and Dia Sports uh, Behind the Pump podcast. Uh, joining me today is Brody Keefe. Hey, guys. And we're here to talk about uh, uh, diabetes and uh, uh, being an athlete with diabetes. Um, we've created Dia Sport uh, uh, to help mentor and train uh, diabetics uh, so they can uh, not miss that big moment out on, on the ice surface or, or on the pitch or on the ball field. Um, we're here to train or help train, uh, help train everyone how to manage their diabetes on, on away from the rink or, or, the, or the field. And, um, you know, we decided, uh, since we've got a lot of this extra time on our hands now, uh, to, uh, you know, make up our first podcast and, and see how it goes. Uh, so Brody's got a little bit of experience, uh, with podcasts and we come up with this, uh, uh with this idea. So, uh, we're going to hope to, uh, hope to keep, uh, keep going on with it and, uh, uh, kind of structure it. Uh, we're going to be doing some interviews. We're going to be doing some, some great stuff with some pump, uh, technology, uh, different diabetes technology, you know, doing some interviews with, uh, different athletes uh, and, and within the diabetic community. So uh, we're hoping for you, everybody, to uh, listen up and, and, and join along and, you know, follow us as much as you can. And if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us some emails and uh, we'll try to talk about it on the episodes. So my first question uh, for Brody, um, you know, we're going to try to do a little bit of introduction. So, um, sure. uh Brody, when was it the first time that you, uh, uh, I guess, how, you know, how do you figure out that you were diagnosed? Uh, uh, what's your story behind your story? Well, as all diabetics, before they know that they're diabetic, they go through a period of time where you have this change in your body that you can't explain and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And at first, you don't really know what's going on, and then you try to look for look for uh, other other outlets that isn't that wasn't diabetes. So it was kind of oh, I had I had uh, my teeth, I had braces put in, in my in my face, and I had a bunch of teeth pulled, and I started consuming lots of liquids and whatnot, and we thought it was just I was consuming liquids because I wasn't eating solid food. And it turned out that that was not the case. And the, my symptoms started getting worse. I started losing a lot of weight. I um, was constantly drinking. I couldn't quench my thirst. And I lost my appetite. And yeah, and we were getting set to go to uh, Ontario for Christmas. And it was December 16th, 2008. And we just finished, went, uh, just finished going to Tilica Mall in Victoria, BC, and got uh, booster juice. And I remember when drinking that large booster juice, I had to go pee four times within a span of half an hour. And the night prior, I, I looked, I Googled all the symptoms that I was having, and it was, Google told me that I was diabetic. And so I kind of knew, and I, I was scared and fright, frightened. And, and so we went the next following day 
and went to the hospital, went to the clinic, beat on a stick, had my blood sugars tested, and I was, I think I was 34 or something ridiculous. Yeah. And off I went to the, the hospital, and it's that my story isn't unique. Um, every diabetic or type 1 diabetic, if you're not born with it, has a very, very, very similar story um, to mine. And uh, this is actually one of part of the reasons why we started this is to show people that you, people that with type 1 diabetes, you're not unique and your situation is not unique. And there's a lot of us, I say us, there's a lot of people with type 1 diabetes that have gone and done incredible things and with the disease managing disease. And that's why we're here to keep on pushing that uh, message forward. Yeah, so it doesn't seem as, uh, you know, it seems really similar to, to the way Curtis was diagnosed. Um, you know, and, and anybody who's followed us on Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook, uh, um, you know, I, I, my angle, the, the, where I come from is uh, I'm a parent of a type 1 diabetic. And uh, Curtis was diagnosed uh, two years ago, you know, say, you know, pretty much identical uh, symptoms to what Brody just talked about. And, you know, you know, he was getting up in the bathroom, peeing a lot. Um, you know, we, we didn't really know what was going on. We were going through a heat wave here in BC at the time. And, uh, you know, he, uh, <clears throat> you know, he did lose a little bit of weight, but, you know, he was going through a growth spurt as well. So uh, we ended up, we were going camping. It was June, um, uh, right at the beginning of June around Father's Day. Uh, we were going camping, camping up near Kamloops. And, you know, same situation as that. He was drinking water and water and bottles of water. And I think he drank four of them within a four hour span from Vancouver to Kamloops. And, you know, he just, uh, uh, had, we had to pull over like three times to go to the bathroom. And, you know, as soon as we got there, we knew something was off, you know, same thing. You go, you know, you Google all the symptoms and the first thing that pops up is his type one diabetes. So, um, you know, we end up cutting that trip short and we come back and, and took him to the hospital here on the Island. And, uh, yeah, same thing as his blood sugar was 36. So, uh, you know, he, he ended up spending the week in the hospital. Um, you know, they said, you know, he was very lucky. Um, you know, he was, he, he wasn't, he wasn't in, uh, as bad into, uh, uh ketoacidosis. Okay. So, um, you know, we were, we were really lucky and really fortunate in that, that aspect. Um, so going, going along the line. So, you, you know, you grew, I know you grew up playing soccer. Yep. Um, so how did, uh, how did that present, uh, how did becoming a diabetic, uh, when you learned you were diabetic, uh, uh, how did that present to you uh, with being an athlete? It wasn't my first thought, for sure. Um, my first thought when I got diagnosed was, a, holy, holy crap, I'm going to die. Because my only knowledge before, knowledge of the disease before I got diagnosed was uh, someone... Um, in my elementary school class, Elijah, who died from, right. was caught too late and his organs shut down and his body became acidic, ketoacidosis. And uh, yeah, and so I wasn't really thinking about how it would affect um, my sports. However, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I realized quick that I would have to change a lot of things that I was doing in order to be able to compete um, on the field against people that were non-diabetics. 
And at first, I did not understand that. I did not understand that my diabetic management would um, reflect on the field. And if my quality of care was poor, my performance would be poor. And if it was good, it would be good. And it took probably a good, it took a long time, honestly, for me to figure out how it, it works and how it coincides with sports and how to manage uh, through it. And I still, I'm, it's constant, constantly changing the disease constantly changes with it reflects you you your movement and your intake and, and everything and so um right now as we're sedentary everybody's taking more insulin uh, athletes aren't moving as much and diabetic athletes are probably feeling it a little bit more than um non-type 1 diabetic athletes and so i think where the switch for me, where I actually clued into that my care would, uh, my performance on the field reflected my quality of care. I was probably, um, I was 18, 17 or 18, uh, just graduating high school. I, my attendance for high school wasn't very good. Um, I, my mental health uh, towards uh, the disease probably wasn't very good because uh, that's a really big aspect of it as well and um where because it's it's we're, we'll touch on it a lot because everything changes when you have type 1 diabetes socially and, and on the pitch or ice or whatever playing surface um that that you're on and your approach and preparation everything changes and so that change for me where I really switched on is when I had the opportunity to go down to the States to start my collegiate uh, career. And then that's where I got into just probably 15 to 20 finger pricks a day, constantly, constantly checking and my sleep pattern, eating at the right time. It, it, it changed. It had, to, it had to change. Mm. And so for me, to answer your question, my change was gradual and it was not immediate to, it wasn't immediate as soon as I got uh, diagnosed. It wasn't immediate to my diagnosis and it was a gradual change. And I think a big reason for my gradual change and it wasn't as, there wasn't that quick switch of habits and preparation is because I really didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I had guidelines. Of, I had my nurses. I had my endocrinologists. I, I went to a camp. Um, it wasn't a sports-oriented camp. It was just a camp for diabetics. And But I wasn't mentored. I wasn't educated. I didn't have any kind of a person to follow in regards to a, an example of a, an athlete and how to be a type one diabetic athlete. And I really, really, really missed that. And, and that that's uh, one of my strong reasonings for why I got involved with, with Jason and Diasport and to, to give, give that back to share, to share those experiences and stories with other people, young diabetics to show them that there are people like them that have succeeded in sports or whatever and there's ways to do it and and there are people there to help you along and be your your 
your diet buddy, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I, you know, I look back when, when Curtis was admitted to the hospital and, uh, you know, along those lines, you know, he, he, he looked at us and said, uh, you know, I guess I can't play hockey anymore. And, uh, you know, um, we were, um, so far, like, you know, I, I'm a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan and, uh, you know, he, he kind of, he, he's going to pick that as his team as well. You know, big Price, yeah, yeah. Big Carey Price <laughs> fan. I know, uh, you know, he's a big Carey Price fan, you know, he's in, and, you know, Curtis is a goalie and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I think the biggest thing for him was that, you know, five days later, obviously Max Domi was traded to the Montreal Canadiens and, uh, you know, to hear through his story and, and to go through everything, um, it, it definitely gave him optimism when he come out. Um, you know, I know he worked really hard uh, to get back onto the ice um, for that that uh, fall time. Um, you know, it was it was his first time. You know, he was stepping out of novice. Uh, you know, he was going to have tryouts. Um, you know, they had the competitive teams, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he, he he worked hard. He got out. He got his insulin under control really quick. Learned what to do. And, and you know he had an unfortunate incident with uh, uh, with with a coach that uh, that I guess didn't uh, um, I'd say more or less he didn't understand or, or didn't want to understand uh, mm-hmm. diabetics mm-hmm. Um, you know hence the reason why we're we're sitting here today what um, was because of that moment um, but uh, you know I, I know he's worked hard. Um, for where he's gotten to the last couple of years, you know, in controlling his blood sugars and, and, you know, not, you know, not missing uh, anything on the ice. I think there's, there's, I can count actually, I think about, you know, a couple of times where he's actually had to stop and have something during a game, which, uh, uh, which affected everybody, which is, which is great. Mm-hmm. So I, I know going forward, uh, so you, you, you know, going back to you going down to playing, playing the U S uh, how was it that um, uh, you were able to communicate with your coaches down there? That's a very good, years? that's a really good question. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't communicate initially. I didn't, it was very, it was very limited. Yes. They, they knew coming in, I was diabetic and that I was there and, and I was diabetic, but as soon as everything started and playing started and I was performing well and there was no issues, it was just that they didn't, they didn't ask. It, it wasn't really on their mind because um, my per- performance was consistent. However, it wasn't, it wasn't good because I didn't, I didn't, not only did I not talk to my coaches about it, I didn't talk to, I didn't talk to any, anybody about it. And it became, it was almost like I would, I would hide it. I would, I, I would, it wasn't like I was hiding it. I was hiding it right. to a point. Right. And, and it was, it wasn't safe. First of all, it wasn't safe for doing that. I, I, I wore a medical alert bracelet and my roommate knew I was diabetic, but at, at that, in that environment, not many people are thinking about, um, the other person, especially the school that I went to initially, it was a prep school. So right. everybody competing for the top 11 spots in order to get looks from the next schools for, for scholarships. So pe- people cared. Yes. However, 
they weren't necessarily, you know, like it was cutthroat. It was cutthroat. Right. Sure. And so I went two years doing acting like that and it was fine. And I, and I didn't have any um, dangerous incidents. However, I did have times where I would feel the effects of type one diabetes because it's inevitable and it affected how um, I held myself and how I would uh, perform at times. And, and, and that, and that was hard. And um, I wish I had to sit down with my coach and explained everything through with him more clear and explain to everybody more clear at the starting of, of, of everything. Um, just one thing that, that stuck out was when, when a diabetic has a low blood sugar and you need to go to the bench to get juice. I know Curtis has a similar experience and I know I guarantee most diabetic athletes have a similar experience um, to this is that they either feel anxious to leave the field or people don't understand why they're actually leaving the field. And then there's a separation among the team where, well, what is this guy doing? Is he getting special treatment kind of thing, right? Because the two programs that I ended up going to, there was the first school was 30 guys in the program and the second school was 50. Yep. So it, you're always constantly competing and you don't want to show weakness. And that's what was the big thing for me is I didn't want to give them a reason to, to not be on the field. And so, yeah. And so through my four years of university, I, I, the communication was limited. I was, I was lucky to have um, athletic trainers that were there that I can, I can speak with. But yeah. even even then, my communication with them was limited. And because my communication with them was limited, they didn't really ask me how I was doing as much as maybe they should have. Right. And then after college, that all it was well. It was a really good experience. Um, the only thing I would change was my communication about my disease. Um, I was able to to be a starter, I, to get a full ride scholarship, to go and win conferences and twenty game wins in a row, and be able to all do that. But I definitely took a toll on me mentally. It was just really, really, really tiring because you're. Yeah. I was holding that um, all in myself and dealing it, dealing with all, dealing with it all, the complications of it all myself. Right, and so. After that, after college, I, I went and in 2017, I went to Southeast Asia to go try to play pro in Thailand. And that was even less community. They didn't even know. I didn't even right. tell them. Right. I didn't even tell them. I didn't even speak. I didn't speak the language. All my uh, communication was through an agent. Mm. And I didn't know what they thought. I didn't know what they thought of me. And like, it was weird. And so... Even there, it was dangerous because now no one knew that I was uh, diabetic. But I was been able to go for four years, five years, and build up this routine and be able to perform at a high level 
um, with just my relying on myself. And yes, I did have my network of my family and whatnot and was able to communicate with them my experiences and my situations and get advice um, about it through them. But it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't get the same for my coaches. And so where it changed for me, and we talked about this, um, and whatever, the last time we spoke, um, was that when I went to Europe in 2000, last July, uh, I had a sit down, uh, it was about a weekend and I was performing really well. It was a, uh, combine pro combine and, um, in Sweden and, they sat me down and they asked me, do you have any medical conditions? And I, I was, it was the first time that I went, <sighs> took a breath and, and spoke to them for about an hour and a half about that and, right. and, and, the, and how, um, basically I told them how I live my life. I told them how I prepare, how I can be at the top shape and compete as a professional athlete. I basically showed them what I did and they were very, very, very responsive and um, engaged with me about it. And which was really, really good. And I, it was a relief because I, I did this. I acted like this from the age of 18 to 25 with barely communicating to coaches that I was type one diabetic. And so it felt, it was almost like a weight off your shoulder that okay you're at here you are at a pro combine these guys are saying you can go pro um and they're willing to talk to you about uh being type 1 diabetic for an hour right where they're talking to other players for 20 minutes right so it was it was cool and and, and that was a definitely a catalyst for change in my mind how i i hold myself and how i communicated and that was only a year ago and and it was perfect timing because Jason Wark just contacted me about Diasport. And Jason Wark's the hockey director of Diasport. Yep. And he got me in contact with you. And I just finished having this experience. Well, actually, no, I hadn't had that experience yet. It was right before. And so after mm-hmm. having that experience, it solidified my reasoning for getting involved it motivated for getting involved with this and growing diasport and creating a foundation for youth and kids to teach them all the different aspects and uh, ways of dealing with this disease. And a big one of them is communication and how you, how you communicate as an athlete to your coach. You know, and, and it's funny, um, you know, I, I met Jason, uh, I guess it would have been last May. Um, uh, through I Challenge Diabetes, who, uh, like you said, if anybody's following us, uh, we just partnered with um, last week. We made the big announcement, uh, and uh, so yeah, Jason was one of the one of the mentors out uh, um, last year. Uh, we did uh, uh, some caving up in Horn Lake, uh, just north of Nanaimo here, and uh, you know, and it was through him and uh, and uh, uh, the founder for Dob. Uh, I challenge uh, Chris Jarvis, um, who I think has much of a similar story. Um, I think his goes back a little bit, uh, a little bit further, um, and I'm sure we'll get him on the show uh, definitely one time uh, to get him about his experience because um, uh, I know him going through the Olympics. Uh, he, he had a, he had a rough. I think he had a well. He definitely had a worse time 
because um, uh, I think his had the medical profession professionals as well. Uh, but we'll get him to uh, tell his story um, another time. But uh, so I met uh, met Jason through iChallenge uh, last year, and uh, you know he'd uh, volunteered. So we we did run a hockey camp last summer through a, a different uh, title. Um, you know, we, we had a handful of kids come out in Victoria and, you know, did some learning. We had uh, Desi Zahareva come out, um, you know, Anissa Gamble come out as well, um, help mentor some kids, you know, showed them some, some hockey stuff, uh, did some off ice stuff with them and, and really helped them out. And, uh, um, that, that's where I met Jason. And then, you know, we, we kind of just come off with this, with the spinoff with Diasport, um, and that's where we kind of got traction to get everything going for this year. Um, you know, we got our, we got our camp coming up in July. Uh, hopefully, I guess, so uh, you know, we're going to wait and see what happens here with our, uh, uh, within the province. Um, uh, you know, like right, right now we're still taking registrations. Um, we're still going ahead. Uh, we're going to see, uh, uh, what the, uh, what the regulations are and what, what's going to happen here. Uh, within the next couple of months here within the province. Um, but everybody's still, still, you know, I guess we're, we're everybody's still self-isolating, especially, you know, well, myself, I'm still working. I'm still traveling back and forth between British Columbia and Alberta. Um, you know, but there are a lot of, a lot of uh, people that we've talked to a lot of, a lot of type ones that are, they're scared, um, you know, scared, you know, scared of the COVID and, or COVID-19 and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, diabetics is along the one of the lists of uh, um, high risk people. Um, but it, but it's interesting, um, you know, and because I do a lot of following on Twitter and, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And um, I did hear um, or I did read today uh, there was a, a, a doctor out of uh, the University of British Columbia, or sorry, University of Alberta. Um, that was talking about he and he got posed the question um, uh, from a spouse of a gentleman who was uh, 35 years old. You know his his A1C is is 5.5. You know he's he's athletic, he's fit. You know how much of a risk? And um, I'm just going to try to tee it up here. Um, but I know Brody, we were talking about this last last week. You know, and, and we were talking about, you know, it, it sounds like it was it was more for the type 2 diabetics. Right. Um, and, at, yeah, I think it was it was more for the type 2 diabetics and people who are diabetic type 1 or whatever who are already um, uh, experiencing complications derived from the condition. And so that was the risk. Right was that this COVID is attacking the cardiovascular system and your lungs. And um, with diabetes, a big, uh, a lot of complications uh, are cardiovascular complications if you do not uh, take care of yourself. Right. So I think that was the worry and the, the initial um, connection to the disease and saying that diabetics are at risk and so that created scare for everybody who was type one diabetic. And that's why we had numerous com- conversations on the phone about um, what, what if, what if I got it or what if Curtis got it or, or what if Jason got it or what if Chris got it? What if any of us got it? What, what would, uh, what would our experience be? And uh, 
how would it how would it impact and i and i from listening to this little snip you're about to play us uh he gives us the answer yeah so this is this was posted on the diabetes canada uh twitter feed uh, uh this morning so if you're here just take a listen if you're watching on youtube uh you, you'll be able to see the full full clip I think some of the information we've had about uh, outcomes in people with diabetes may reflect people mainly with type 2 diabetes. I think the other thing that's worth remembering is that much of the bad outcomes that have happened for people with diabetes are in people who have lots of other comorbidities. So young people who are fit, who don't have complications from diabetes, I think I would not consider them to be a particularly high risk for contracting uh, COVID-19 or from developing complications uh, as a result of the infection. However, this infection does seem to be very unpredictable. And while uh, bad outcomes and deaths in people who are old and frail with other diseases does seem to be quite common. We do see, unfortunately, young people who are becoming affected quite severely. So given that unpredictability, I would not consider this young, healthy man uh, with well-controlled type 1 diabetes to be particularly vulnerable. But nonetheless, this is not a time for any of us to be taking chances. And so we should look after ourselves and look after each other by keeping away from crowds following uh, the distancing recommendations and washing our hands carefully with soap and water after we have been outside uh, or in contact with other people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear for someone like myself who um, decided to go into EI and um, because of the uncertainties and took a hit uh, income wise um, in order to uh, prevent not getting it. And so now as things start to open up and as we learn the different ways and techniques to avoid um, spreading this virus as a healthy type 1 diabetic, I feel more hearing that I feel a lot more comfortable um, getting up in the morning and going to work with by myself or yeah, going to work and, and following the mandatory and uh, recommended uh, conditions. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I thought, you know, listening to it, I thought it was pretty, uh, you know, exactly along the lines we were talking about. Yeah. You know, I, I look at it, you know, we've been, uh, I've been traveling back and forth, um, between, uh, Alberta and, uh, NBC. Um, so obviously traveling through, uh, you know, I travel through the Calgary airport all the time and, uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's tough to see that everything's a ghost town in there, but, you know, knowing, knowing what I know is that, um, you know, I, I know the virus was present there uh, every time that I go through there and, uh, you know, so it's it's just, you know, being mindful, you know, make sure, you know, those high traffic areas, you know, I'm making sure I wash my hands. You know, mm -hmm. I do carry, you know, obviously now, you know, we got to, um, 
um, anytime you're on the plane or post close proximity uh, on the plane, going through security, all that kind of stuff, you know, we, we've got to wear masks now, um, as well. So, um, do you wear uh, masks on the plane? You have to wear masks on the plane. Yes. Uh, that is, uh, that's, uh, that's transport Canada's new rules. Do they, uh, provide you with the, um, the and and 95s or you have to bring your own mask? Uh, no, they, uh, they got to bring, um, um, we got to bring our own masks. So, oh, wow. uh, the good news is, um, uh, the fact that our company, um, pays for our flights as well. So I will always have one. Uh, I will always have one coming home because, uh, we, I do have one, uh, uh, they had, they are required to give us one on the plane right home. Um, I just got to figure, you know, have one for the ride up there. Right. So, um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's, you know, we're protecting ourselves as we can. So I, I don't bring it home, uh, um, you know, to my wife, you know, Curtis, you know, I got two year old toy or three year old twins. Uh, so I, I don't bring it home. Right. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's something that everybody's dealing with, you know, and there, you know, of course, everybody's got their own story, you know, you know, why they're doing it or, you know, obviously our healthcare workers for our frontline healthcare workers are doing a tremendous job out there. You know, here in BC, I think, you know, I think Bonnie Henry's done an excellent job taking care of everything here. So, you know, we're keeping up the good fight here and I know everybody's everybody out there, I know at least in the diabetic world that I've talked to is, is keeping their, keeping their stuff, uh, uh, keeping their social distancing or physical distancing. Um, you know, keep, keep, you know, trying to keep everything, uh, keep everything safe for everybody so that, uh, uh we can stop this and, and try to get back to normal, mm-hmm. some kind of normalcy anyway. So a new normal, a new normal. Yes. I think is that's, that's a correct term there. So, um yeah so that's that's kind of what's going on uh uh right now um you know Brody and I you know we're going to try to come out and um have have some more uh, uh interesting talks with some athletes uh later on obviously this was our, our our first go at it um you know I'm I'm thinking uh uh our next episode you know we we will hopefully have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more time, uh, to talk about, uh, talk about stuff that's going around. Uh, right. Right. And hopefully, hopefully we have current events to talk about and yeah. not just, yeah, not, not, not just just COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe do an episode where we're actually sitting in the same room. That would be good yeah, too. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I, I um, that would be ideal. <laughs> that, would, that would be ideal. But yeah, so we're gonna, we're, we're gonna queue up some, um, uh, inter- some athletes to interview because um, like I said I know there's a lot sitting around right now uh, looking looking to do some talking so yep um, you know we're gonna we're gonna come at you we're gonna come at you with some uh, technology um, you know the, the, there's different technology coming out uh, well, I think everything's pretty much on hold right now but um, you know we, we had some uh, some good releases over the last year uh, at least here in Canada anyway Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had the we had the T Slim pump come out. We had the Dexcom G6, which I think everybody was waiting for. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, no finger picks. Um, then the uh, Medtronic uh, CGM. Yeah, the Medtronic 670G come out with with the yep. Guardian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was last summer. Um, mm-hmm. when, you know, which was which was a game changer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so yeah so we're gonna we're gonna do some uh we're talking around some technology different different ways um uh, people are managing their diabetes and uh hopefully we'll have some good insights and again if you want to visit us on facebook uh you can visit us at team diasport um at team diasport on twitter and instagram as well um and info at team um we've also got some recipes you know if you're you know you're, you're quarantined right now and you want to uh you want to um you know do some uh different recipes different different food ideas um you know we got some input uh our that our dietitian um uh, created um with also some uh, uh some entries from uh, uh jason i think did one as well um one of our diabetes uh one of the diabetes students uh, dietitian students over at ubc uh she's a track star jamie hennessy uh she's also contributed some some great recipes too so you know, make sure to check that out at, at teamdiasport.com and uh you know hopefully we'll uh we'll talk to you next time right on Thank you.